Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Angel Speakers Lightmasters series on Blog Talk Radio. Your host is Terry Miller, who is a lightmaster, an author, psychic, medium, energy healer, and happiness coach. These series of shows will delve deeply into spirituality and help illuminate some of the answers to questions you may have concerning the ascension process, as well as the energy shifts we are all undergoing. Please visit Terry's website, angelspeakers.com and terry-miller.com, where you can find out more about her services, such as the wonderful energy healing method called Time Heals, the process of letting go called Release, as well as her coaching and educational workshops. The information discussed on Angel Speakers is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It is not designed to provide listeners with specific personal, medical, financial, legal, counseling, professional service, or any advice. The programs are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Individuals with health problems should always consult their health care provider for professional medical advice, medications, or treatment. The views expressed by show hosts or their guests are their own and should not be construed in any way as advice from angel speakers. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to angel speakers or the show hosts whose words and or opinions appear from or on this broadcast. If you have called in and want to participate by being on the air with our hosts, press 1 on your phone. We encourage participation from the chat room as well. Now, here is your host and founder of Angel Speakers, Terry Miller. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the show tonight. I am so excited about this show. We have a panel of guests, and I am just thrilled to bring them all to the listeners to share their experiences. First, I want to share with you that tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, there will be a show with Michael Brandy and Karen Palmer. Michael is getting ready to walk Uh, He's walking for a couple of causes, and he's doing what he calls the Miller Miles. (laughs) So tune in and figure out what that's all about tomorrow night. Next week on Thursday night, I will have Veronica and Stefan Schultz with me at 9 o'clock p.m., and they will be giving us messages. They were on last month, and it was a very enlightening and interesting show. So I hope you'll tune in next Thursday at 9 and listen to Veronica and Stefan. And then on Friday, the 23rd, is Nicole Gunsinger. And Nicole is an amazing channel of the Ascended Masters. So she's on once a month. This is your only chance. And the lines always fill up really fast. So if you want a, a message from Nicole and the Ascended Masters, make sure that you call in early on the 23rd. Uh, Tonight, our show focuses on autism. Now, I'm not a parent of an autistic child, but I know many who are that are in my life, and I really have a, um, a soft spot in my heart for an autistic child. So what I'm doing... I'm bringing some awareness and hopefully some enlightenment from the parents that do have autistic children 
And also want to make you aware that in August, I will be holding a live event here in South Florida called Angel Speakers Live, and we are going to donate a portion of the proceeds to autistic um, research and autistic programs. So when we're talking about autism or autism spectrum disorder, this refers to a range of conditions characterized by challenges with social skills, repetitive behaviors, speech, and nonverbal communication, as well as by unique strengths and differences. We now know that there is not one autism, but many types caused by different combinations of genetic and environmental influences. Some facts about autism. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates autism's prevalence as one in 68 children in the United States. This includes one in 42 boys and one in 189 girls. An estimated 50,000 teenagers with autism become adults and lose school-based autism services each year. Around one-third of people with autism remain nonverbal. Around one-third of people with autism have an intellectual disability. Certain medical and mental health issues frequently accompany autism. They include GI disorders, seizures, sleep disturbances, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, anxiety, and phobias. I talked to one parent of an autistic child, and, you know, there's, there's no guidebook with any child, but she said that it's, uh, it feels to her like it's like putting together a giant jigsaw puzzle without the benefit of the picture on the front of the box. And I thought that was a perfect explanation and um, the way that she was describing her life. So I'm going to go ahead and go to my panel and bring them on the air. I'm missing one person, so I'm going to introduce her and hopefully she'll find her way here to the studio. But I have with me tonight uh, Shante Hawkless. And Shante is known to many of my regular listeners. She is one of Paul's happiness angels. And it's been a while since she's been on the show with me. So I'm very, very happy to have her on again tonight. I have Brandy Morales. Brandy from Texas. And I know she has a lot to say. And she's the one I'm missing right now. So I'm going to go try to find her after I bring the panel on. And I have author Sunny Floor from right here in Florida. And I am very fortunate to know this man, his family, and his lovely son, Hunter. So with that being said, I am going to unmute my guests. And hello, everyone. Good evening, Terry. Hello, Terry. Hi there. What I would like for you to do, if you don't mind, and I'm going to go search for Brandy, um, I would like for you to introduce yourself and tell us, you know, your home situation and um, then I will be right back. Whoever wants to go first, jump in there. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Sonny Floor. Um, I've known Terry for a number of years. Um, I have an autistic son who's 12 years old. His name is Hunter. Um, I still live with my wife, and we live next door to Hunter's grandmother, my mother-in-law, who helps us out quite a bit with Hunter. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Shante Hawkless. 
I am uh, the parent of a nine-year-old son by the name of Christian who has autism. Um, we have just recently made a move, um, which seems to be benefiting him uh, greatly um, from those uh, environmental factors that Terry was talking about. Um, so I am happy to be here. Nice to meet you, Sunny. Nice to meet you, Shanko. And I believe that we now have Brandy with us. So let me bring her on the air. Hello, Brandy. Hi, I'm so sorry. We were inside a store that didn't have a good signal. I'm sorry I'm a little bit late. Oh, that's all right. We forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) Brandy, we were just asking the panelists to introduce yourself and tell us what your home situation is as far as autism goes. Okay, um, so my name is Brandy, and I'm from Houston, Texas, and my son um, is the one with autism. He is 20 years old, nonverbal, incontinent. Um, he's able to, like, finger, do finger foods, but other than that, we have to feed him. Um, he, is, he also has cerebral palsy, so he can't really walk long distances just in the house with the helmet because he also has seizures. Um, so that's pretty much our situation now as far as, like, care for him. I have a 17-year-old daughter um, that works, and she does help me to take care of Mason, and my husband and I both work, so we kind of try to alternate, but then, you know, of course, just like everybody else on the call, I'm sure that frequently have to either call in or leave work early or change our schedules to be able to make sure that Mason is taken care of. Well, thank you for that introduction. I have on the line Sunny and Shantae, and they've already given their introduction of themselves. So I really appreciate all of you being here tonight. And, Brandy, you brought up a very important point, one that I was hoping that you all would discuss, um, which is, you know, that support system that you have to help you. So if uh, we can open up the discussion with that and see where it goes. Okay. Oh, um, am I the Randy? Oh. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, Shantae, I believe you said you just moved. Did you get yes. any relatives, or do you have any relatives there? Some some support there. Um, I do. We didn't move far. We're only about mm, thirty to forty-five minutes away from. Uh, my parents, um, we lived there for them for with them for about three years so I could get my son um, on track with his diagnosis. I didn't get his official diagnosis until about late of 2013. Um, but I had known before, you know, that something was different. I just didn't know what and wasn't being yeah. heard through the school system um, and, and had no prior experience with autism. Um, so, but I do have, we moved to another town and I have, um, other relatives that are here locally that do help me with them if I need the, the respite. Yeah, I have, uh, uh, I live in a, a duplex here in Miami with, uh, my mother-in-law on the other side. So it's really handy to have that extra pair of hands whenever we need them. Yes, yes, especially as uh, Brandy was talking about with um, with work. Um, I've been home taking care of him, being his caregiver and homeschooling, um, but I am going to get ready to branch out here, so this is going to be an interesting transition for us all <laughs> to see how that goes. So, 
Yeah, I have a um, also have a difficult situation. Uh, my wife is partially disabled. She needs uh, two new knees, and uh, mm. I because of my job, I'm sometimes out on the water and simply can't drop everything and leave. So right. I always have to have those extra backup plans and backups for my backups. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that that has been my challenge as far as um, care for my son because I'm I have realized lately also in his sensitivity to his spirituality and his his environment and who he is in contact with also plays a big role in um, his meltdowns and triggers. So I have kind of tightened up my circle as far as that's concerned uh, on who watches him and cares for me when I am not able to. Right. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you're – so your son is verbal? Yes, he he's high-functioning. Um, he does very well. As of late, um, as particularly with our move, um, his gifts ha- have also seemed to open up more. Um he just expressed to me last night, speaking of which, um, he, he flat out told me, Mom, he's like, I don't feel safe. What do you mean, sweetheart? He's like, when you're not with me, he's like, or when I'm at Avoa's or when I'm at Dad's, I don't feel safe. And I'm, you know, was trying to prompt him for more, you know, as son, what do you mean? And the only thing that, you know, Spirit was revealing to me was, the energies, you know, that environmental factors on who he is. And just people being able to relate to him in general. Yeah, that's, I find I have the same problem with Hunter, well, not problem, but uh, there's no guidebook for mainstream people and children in particular on how to approach, interact, or communicate with an autistic it's you know Correct. they're as completely in the dark as the rest of us are. Um, mm-hmm. So they fumble and they don't know what to say or what to do. And sometimes it can be they could, they just stand away, which makes Hunter feel uh, even more separated. Correct. Yeah. But Mason's nonverbal, so I do a lot of guessing about what he, how much he is able to comprehend and how much he's aware of. Um, I think myself and my daughter are more kind of in tune to people that maybe stare a little bit longer. Um, sounds like Mason is a lot lower functioning than, than, um, than your children, but, um, but he's, he's always really, really happy. And what's amazing to me, you're talking about spirituality. Um, and I'm so sorry that, that your son is feeling sometimes not safe, but what I find amazing is like that Mason is, I know there are some children that, that act out and I know that there are different reasons for that, whether they have autism or not. But Mason is like has been such a blessing to me and is so, so happy with everything and anything. And what's really cool um, is that sometimes just like for no apparent reason or none that I can see or feel, he'll just like start laughing. And I might be having like a really cruddy day that he'll just like look at a corner side of the room and just start laughing. So it's kind of cool because I just wonder, is he seeing something that I'm not seeing or that I'm not feeling mm-hmm. that's just, you know, brightening his day? So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I see, <laughs> as you were talking about that, I see it just being like the angels off in the corner dancing for him. Yeah. And his laughter, his laughter um, bringing your vibration up. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty amazing. 
So, and he's, you know, he's definitely enabled us to meet people that we probably wouldn't have met and really brought in my mind to, you know, growing up, special education, the classes were like, you didn't see those kids. And now they're, at least here in Texas, now they're, you know, they bring the special ed kids to, like, school functions, um, like plays and things that they would normally get together in the auditorium for, um, and or even some of them that are higher functioning, they kind of use some mainstream classes for them and then have the rest of their classes maybe in the special ed classrooms. So I think that's definitely an improvement that's that's happened over the past few years because before that, and I think now that that's happening, people are more aware, um, more aware of, you know, differences between kids with autism and other special needs and the general population and that it's not such a scary thing. It's just a matter of maybe having a little bit more patience sometimes or, you know, things maybe take a little bit longer or maybe their minds work a little bit more uniquely than ours and, I, I found that um, that there seems to be overall, at least from growing up from what I remember to now, that there seems to be more of an acceptance of children with dis- different abilities. Yes, I would agree with you on that. And I believe, like, our children are here to bring humanity back to compassion. Like, so much of that has been lost in the chaos of this world and the things that are going on. So I know for myself personally, um, how much my son has helped me to open up and be more accepting, be more patient, um, be more understanding, you know, and compassion and um, realizing that we all have our own stories. But regardless of what those stories are, everybody needs love. Yes, absolutely. It does get trying, though, sometimes because, you know, there are things um, I don't know that you're – exact children's abilities and what they're able to do and what they can't tolerate. But like for Mason, um, mostly um, his autism doesn't, other than him being nonverbal and not being able to do some of the things that maybe other children are able to do, or now he's 20, other adults, you know, other 20, there's definitely a huge difference. But um, it is, it can be really challenging and really taxing, even though he's been a huge blessing to my life because as far as his seizure medications, they prevent him from sweating and so here in Texas, like today, it was, it's only the middle of June, so the next couple of months are going to just continue to get hotter and hotter, and um, mm-hmm. it's just really difficult to get him out of the house. But then, you know, you don't want to stay cooped up inside the house either. And then if he, takes, he goes outside and he gets overwhelmed or um, overstimulated, I guess is the, the correct word, then he'll have mm-hmm. more seizures. So I don't know if you all experience anything like that and how you handle it. But for us, we a lot of times have to cancel our plans and head back home or maybe not do exactly, maybe just do a lot of modification of planning all the time. Yes. Oh, I yes. definitely agree I, with that. Everything is in a state of flux. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, based on how, you know, that particular environment or situation you're in is going to um, react or not react, uh, you know, his triggers. Um, so definitely it's always kind of up in the air. Um, I, I have learned through him, like, you know, I agree with you. It's like you try to, at times we want to keep them in this little bubble because it's easier for all of us and have a better quality of life <laughs> in a sense. Right. And then yet, you know, and yet we know we can't keep them in that. We have to allow them to experience 
and live that somewhat normal, un, you know, quote unquote normal life. And I've learned with my son to like, say, you know, theme parks, for example, I've learned when not to go, <laughs> you know, right. don't go yeah. during the high season, you know, don't go <laughs> on the weekends when there's going to be, you know, crowds of people that is too much noise and overstimulating just, you know, all the visual stimulation. Um, So we've learned to go, which is the part that I love with homeschooling. We have the flexibility to just pick up and go when we want. Um, And so I've learned to do a lot of things during the week when most people are at work or at school. Oh, that's great. That's, That's wonderful. And Brandy, did you homeschool uh, your child, uh, Mason, right? Did you homeschool him or was he in a school? He was in a school. So now we did switch um, from like half of his schooling he spent at one district. We were at a different district for a couple of years and I, it was just constant babbling, constant fighting. I'm like, this is absurd. So I started, I did some more research and, um, my husband was not wanting to continue living in a really densely populated area, so kind of started doing some research of, about places that were maybe not as crowded as what my husband mm-hmm. made sure that everybody was happy, basically. And so we um, ended up in a different school district that I never, ever would have guessed would have such an amazing special education program had I not reached out to other parents. But, uh, okay, uh, Brandy, you're fading out a little bit. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. The school district that he's in now has been absolutely amazing. But, yeah, he spent his whole entire education in public schools. Oh, okay. And Yeah, he's in public school and uh, doing very well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's been fortunate that he's had uh, a bit of continuity throughout his whole schooling because he's you know, he's always had children that he, some of them he's been in school with since the beginning and others, you know, nice. he spent time with. So there's always somebody in his classroom, even when he transitioned from uh, elementary to middle school, there was always someone there that he knew and he could, you know, oh, that's great. try to get along with. So it's, it's been very, we've been very fortunate. That's wonderful. Awesome. So in those public school situations, um, how is the interaction with the teachers? Do you find that you spend more time um, with the teachers as far as, you know, keeping up on what's going on and, you know, that communication that's necessary with the teachers? Do you mean this as opposed to a mainstream child? Uh, yes. Or just in, I would imagine so. Um, we regularly text with his teacher and uh, he sends home um, it's kind of a status report of how the day went you know his behaviors mm-hmm. his studies and all of that and you know we read it and sign it at the end of the day and bring it he brings it back to school uh, it's one of the things that's, that's difficult we we keep so much extra attention on the teacher is mm-hmm. Hunter is partially verbal he can get his point across but complex sentences or complex ideas and emotions he, he can't seem to put, a, put it together. So we have to keep things very, very simple. And we can't actually ask him, you know, how was your day? How was lunch? What did you eat for lunch? Questions that complicated just don't seem to get an answer. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stop us from trying. Right. <laughs> right. 
For me, my personal um, experience with the schooling, um, it was just kind of a nightmare. <laughs> I <laughs> I was personally going through a, a, a lot myself, um, uh, changes and stuff, and um, I just found it fighting with the school tooth and nail for whatever energy I did have left. And um, that's why I had just decided, you know, I don't have the time or energy to do this, the time and energy that I do have, I would rather focus on my son and getting him on track, which is why I pulled him from um, the brick and mortar and just started homeschooling, and it's going a lot better for him. Now, mind you, we still, you know, there's still triggers, there's still meltdowns, but, you know, I've narrowed it down to what subjects do that (laughs) to him, (laughs) and so, you know, I've learned his likes and dislikes, you know, his interest and what's going to keep his attention, um, even to the point, you know, for my son, uh, he used to do a lot of Legos and, you know, for him, uh, when I was homeschooling him, it used to seem like, you know, he's not playing, paying attention to me because he's fidgeting with his Legos, but I learned he needs something in his hands to be able to retain all the information that was coming at him. So it was his way of focusing and concentrating in order to retain, because if I'm just he doesn't have anything in his hands and I'm reading the the lesson to him, we can get to the end of the lesson and I'll ask him the assessment question. It's like, what? (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me right now? We just went through that whole thing. (laughs) He's like, mom, I don't remember. So (laughs) I'm like, all right. And then, you know, that's where I learned, you know, just let him have something in his hands and he will, you know, even though it seems like he's not paying attention, he actually is. Oh, Hunter does exactly the same thing. He stares off into space and, you know, plays with this thing and wants to see what's going on over there. But he's, he, I know he hears everything I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah. of it is simply avoidance because he doesn't like to do homework. <laughs> right, right. So there's some of that in there, too. So it's constantly <laughs> a, um, a gauging and actually, you know, assessing a situation from our end, like how much is he actually listening yeah. and retaining to how much of this is avoidance and not just wanting to deal with this particular subject. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Very interesting. I have, it is. I've, you know, I've reconsidered, you know, putting him back into um, the brick and mortar. I'm not sure about uh, Florida or um, Texas, but our teacher-to-student ratio is kind of outrageous. It's typically about 31 to 33 kids to one teacher. And so to have... Yes, so to have that number of children in a classroom on top of a special needs child with no full-time aid in the classroom um, or, you know, one-on-one for him, I, I don't find it fair to anybody in the classroom situation. No, that would be a, a yeah, for sure. you as well, the worry. Yeah, you know, when I did have him in there, it was the constant phone calls. It was just like, okay, what is today going to be? You know, <laughs> what note yeah. am I going to get home today? You know, it just it got really bad before I decided to just finally pull him. Um, even with a diagnosis in hand for my son, the school did not want to recognize the diagnosis. They wanted to blame my parenting skills because I'm a single parent. Well, so... Yes, it was very lovely, (laughs) you know, so rather than get him the help that he needed and put him on the proper IEP, 
um, they would not qualify him for it because his academics were not suffering. It was just the social and behavioral aspects. And when he would have his meltdowns, now mind you, I get it. When he was in the classroom and had his meltdowns, they were massive. They were huge. But they were also told to keep their hands off of my child. Just allow him to go to a corner and calm down. Nobody looking at him, he will calm down a lot faster than you trying to pick him up or you trying to engage him or talk to him. Well, some of them got pretty bad where they decided to pick him up and remove him physically from the classroom anyways. Mm. Well, Mm. and doing so, yes, in doing so, of course, he's kicking, he's screaming, he wants to be Mm -hmm. let go, he's calling for mom. And so, um, and mind you, this was in kindergarten. And so instead of doing the things that we have had implemented with the 504, they weren't, and then they were physically removing him. And so when one of them would get hit, they started to put assault and battery on his kindergarten file. Oh, good Lord. Oh, my gosh, that's absurd. It it was. (laughs) That's why, you know, I was – I was not up for the fight with the school. You know, I knew I, people were yeah. helping me with the 504, and I know I knew what they were doing with the 504. It was just to cover their behinds. They weren't there to help my child. They were just doing everything technically by law saying that they needed to do just so they can finally say, well, we've helped him. Now he just needs to go. He's no longer welcome here. So I knew what mm-hmm. I was up against, and that's why I just oh, decided to pull him. It is, it was, you know, because they were fighting me at the beginning. No, don't take him out of homeschool. Or, you know, don't take him out to homeschool. He needs a socialization, da, da, da. But when it continuously um, got worse and then they started doing the assault and battery on, on his school record, they were calling me every right day. Job. Yes, yes, you know, and that's why I, I even now I look back at the situation and I don't, I think for me, it would if him going back into brick and mortar would be more for me, so I can have time to me, <laughs> to myself, um, or no to be able that. to care. Uh, no, it's not, you know, because it, like we've all discussed, it, it can be a lot, you know, until somebody is actually walking in our shoes in the day in and day out grind of what it is to take care of a special needs child. They have absolutely no idea. Right. You know, they. And it can, sounds like it was probably more sounds like it was probably more um like even it sounds like hunter and mason are definitely lower functioning than than your son but um it sounds like that's actually a silver lining for us because it's probably easier for them to get help than you know someone that maybe has great grades and their academics like you said weren't affected but then they still have these other unmet needs that you know this the school it's more than just normal childhood behaviors that's I'm sure that was very very frustrating oh absolutely instead of you know with that whole experience instead of him instead of the school recognizing the diagnosis they literally wanted to label my child emotionally disturbed instead of him having autism and so of course they're called a make no and it you know and I didn't allow them to (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, you guys have absolutely lost your minds. That is not what's wrong with my child. And if you guys are not going to recognize what's standing in front of you, what his actual issues are, then this is not going anywhere. So I, I yeah. remember <laughs> sitting in front of, a, like I said, I got help from another, it's called like parent to parent here or something like that, uh, an, 
like an advocacy group that was helping me, you know, of other parents who had been through the process um, was kind of walking me through the process on the phone. And I remember sitting in front of the panel of the school board. You know, they had this like half circle of all these people from the school and me by myself and everybody else was, you know, from the district or the teachers or whatever. And the lady told me, you know, if they're not doing what it is you are calling the shots on, she's like, don't sign anything. And so I remember sitting in front of those people, and they were like, we're going to do this and this and that. And I'm like, okay, but wait a minute. Three out of these five things that you guys want to do we are already have already been implemented, and they are no longer working. You know, I'm like, I'm not signing this paperwork, and we're not going forward with this. Needless to say, they were pretty hot. And so after that mm-hmm. <laughs> is when they decided to say, okay, you can take your kid out and put him in homeschooling now. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, let, me, let me clarify that uh, although Hunter is attending a public school, he's in an autism program. His, his classroom of, I believe, seven um, are segregated from the rest of the school. Mm, uh, okay. With the exception of lunch, he doesn't really interact with the the entirety of the school. They don't change classes or anything like that. They have their own little little world that they live in. So he mm-hmm. kind of gets best in both worlds. He does get socialization. He rides the bus every day to school and comes home on it. Um, but he's also separated, and it makes us feel so much safer knowing that that that's there. Yes, like yeah, I can see that from your end because yeah. When with my son when he was in school, that's exactly what was happening because he was in with the other children um, and them witnessing his behaviors. Um, it was alienating him, you know, to where, you know, there would be some mornings he would get up and be like, "Mom, I don't want to go to school today." I would oh, that's, that. that's we all hard. know how, how cool children can be sometimes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So even now, you know, for us with the move, we I have the option of um, the school that's literally like just steps down the street from where we live. Um, we, I have walked him down there, you know, past the school a few times just to get a feel when school was in, sh- in session for the kids, you know, and still that was just on the outside. And, you know, and I would ask him, you know, do you think you're ready? And he just, mm, Mama, I don't know. <laughs> so... You know, just gauging him and watching his response to that, I was like, okay, this is not going to be the best situation for him. So we will continue on homeschool, but we were going through K-12. I am going to be changing him, though, over to um, a homeschool, but it's a charter school. And so they, um, they will allot him a certain amount of money, for extracurricular activities, so like, you know, soccer or music or whatever it is he chooses to do, and, and they will um, cover that for him. So I think for him that is his best option um, as far as schooling and socialization. Wonderful, wonderful. For for any of the listeners that are just joining us, we are having a panel discussion with Shantae, Brandy, and Sunny. And a very interesting discussion about living with autism. Um, you know, Brandy, you mentioned that your child also has seizure disorders. And one of the things that I mentioned at the very beginning of the show is that uh, a lot of times there are certain mental health or medical issues that accompany autism. Um, so, 
uh, Shante and Sunny, are, do you find any of this with your children as well? Um, you know, they mentioned like GI disorders, sleep disturbances, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, anxiety and phobias. Um, is there anything like that that's going on in addition to the autism? Oh, uh, um, for me and my son, absolutely. Have I had any um, official diagnosis from the doctors? No, I know my child and I know them better than the doctors will. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so right. um, I have seen, I have seen um, even in infancy with my son, he had um, challenges going to the restroom. So I know that part of that is the GI tract, you know, um, mm-hmm. with him. And so I have just learned naturally at home obviously to kind of monitor and watch what he eats more, but also to um, give him probiotic supplements and um, yogurt to help him with that. Um, For my son, I've noticed like uh, um, he lacks in certain areas the executive function. So, you know, a typical child you can teach something two and three times and they'll get it and, and know how to apply it for themselves. Um, and continue, can continue to do it with um, little to, to minimal prompting, you know, to apply it in your daily life situations. Mm-hmm. Whereas my son, you know, it can take, you know, 10 to 20 times for him to to practice it and do it before it becomes a habit and I don't have to continue to prompt him to do it. Um, he has also had um, trouble sleeping. He went through a really rough period um, probably about five or six years old, um, with um, lots of night tears. I mean, lots. It w- it just seemed for a while there it was like every night, no matter what. Um, with his pediatrician, we did discuss putting him and tried putting him on uh, melatonin to help him sleep better, so he wouldn't have those challenges. Um, but for whatever reason, the melatonin worked only for a little bit, and then I noticed he would be up sleepwalking, and then I would ask him the next morning if he remembered, and he had absolutely no recollection of what happened. Well, that's terrible. So, needless mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, that was. So needless to say, we stopped that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's just like we uh, Brandy, you know, said. It's like this one huge jigsaw puzzle without the benefit of having the picture in front of you. Um you know, any child is hard enough to raise because they don't come with a manual, let alone having special needs on top of that. It is literally you are living with autism through trial and error and what particularly is going to work for your child. And even if it does work, it may only work for a little bit, and then you have to switch it up again. Yeah, I've heard the saying that if you've met one child with autism, then you've met one child with autism. Correct. There's there's no two alike. No, no, not at all. You know, and even, you know, my son, when I, for myself, I've learned, you know, when I describe him school or even um, homeschooling, I've had to learn how I have to switch gears in order to be able to relate to him or, um, I guess, in a sense, translate the lessons to him in a way that he can understand. Um, it's like the rest of us are walking around as PCs and he's operating on a Mac. You know, we just... Right. The, mm. So, yeah, definitely um, a continuous learning curve. Yeah, you were you were mentioning uh, sleep issues. Hunter has 
has almost always had sleep issues. My wife didn't sleep for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes Risperidone now, but only to sleep, only at night. Otherwise, he, mm-hmm. just, his brain will not shut down, and he simply will not sleep. Mm, okay. And he doesn't sleepwalk mm. or anything like that, and he's not tired the next day. He simply does not sleep. He just wants to get up. Let's go do something. Mm, okay. said, no. <laughs> we, we, we found him once at uh, 2 a.m. Uh, in front of the refrigerator. I guess he was like two and a half, three years old. Hasn't been very old at all. He'd taken his favorite blanket out and laid it down in front of the refrigerator and had a pizza box out and had one bite out of each pizza. I had a little picnic there in the light <laughs> of the refrigerator. While adorable. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not exactly what you want as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> but those are those moments that you just have to laugh, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely a lot of laughing opportunities for sure. I mean, I saw you. I mean, it doesn't. I've learned um, that it, it doesn't help myself or anybody else if I keep everything to myself. So being able to share with other parents like you guys and just kind of if when I if I need to cry, then just cry. If otherwise, like my release is exercising and watching like funny funny shows on TV or funny movies just laughing and crying and working my stress out physically and just talking is definitely, because there's definitely a lot of moments like that, not sleeping and just some, you know, unexpected frustrations sometimes that are just natural. I mean, every parent has frustrations regardless of what abilities mm-hmm. their child has. But, yeah, for for sure, do y'all, what kind of things do y'all do to to stay, like, mentally grounded? Uh- one of the um, best things we did was to convince ourselves that it's okay to laugh about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can, for sure. You can, you can make make the joke. If it makes you feel better, if it re- and it releases a lot of the stress out of it. It really takes the sting out of some of these things. Um, just make a joke about it. People might say, oh, you're a terrible parent. No, I'm not. I still love my child very much, but that situation was funny. Even if you don't get yeah. it, we do. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> That and just I love, knowing, I love that. you know, yeah, and just knowing and accepting that we are, it is okay to have those moments. It is okay to have those moments to not like that situation, you know, to be yep. um, accepting that we're going to have those dark moments. It's just like Brandy said, even if our child didn't have these challenges, there are going to be moments in raising children like you don't like, you love your child, but you don't like them so much, you know, or the particular <laughs> situation. Cause it's just, it's hard. Um, it is, you know, just, just, you know, like I said, the continuous learning curve, um, the can, like I have felt like, I always have to stay, and I'm sure Brandy does too, and so do you, Sunny. Like, we always have to stay three and four steps ahead. Because if we don't, ultimately we're going to be paying more for price. <laughs> like, it's all, we're constantly, <laughs> yeah. constantly, our minds are constantly at work. Even if in the given moment there's nothing we need to particularly do, we still have to stay ahead three and four steps because okay, wait a minute, this is going to be coming up. I need to break this down for him, or maybe I need to give him some medicine before we get ready to do this so he doesn't have a big trigger and meltdown, you oh, know, yeah. or just these, you know, just 
all this stuff is constantly going through your head, you know, and I would love to know from you, Brandy, like my thing is at some point my son's going to be 20, you know, he's going to be 21. Yes, he's high functioning, but there's always in the back of my mind, where is he going to be at that age? Like what services are going to be there for him? Is he going to be able to survive on his own, to live on his own, to to hold his own out there to where I don't have to be there every second, you know, or I don't have to be right. a constant, you know, call away. So, like, you know, it's it's always just constantly those things. And so just learning to know that any given moment that we're on this journey, it's okay to be right exactly where we're at, whether it's laughing at the situation whether accepting I can have a dark moment, but I don't need to stay there. I can get up and pick up and keep going. Um, or yes. just, you know, yes. we're actually having a good day, you know? <laughs> um, yes, so absolutely. There's so much to it. And, you know, like I said, it, it does get really hard. And, I, you know, I've gone through periods where I've beat myself up because I feel like I'm not doing enough or I should be doing more or if I could have done this different or if I could have said that different. You know, I could there could have been a different outcome. And all that did was leave me in a mental prison instead of being in the present mm-hmm. moment and just accepting it for what it was. You know, yeah, accepting it, it, it yeah. as a learning curve, you know, a learning experience and picking that up and moving forward with it. Yeah, doing a, 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 a serious post-mortem on any situation is just is not healthy. I mean, you can look at it and say, hey, we could have done that better next time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on it. You'll drive yourself insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, well, I I've learned say, through this. Uh, sorry, I've learned through I, this experience. Because yeah, um, I've even had moments myself where, like, am I doing this right? Would he be better off in a home versus with me? Because if what if I'm messing this up even more for him? And, I, you know, that was that darkened the shadow side that I had to come to accept. And I've realized like, no, I am his best advocate. Like nobody is going to know Mm -hmm. my child like I do. And so allowing him to be with anybody else um, is no longer an option. Mm -mm. Right. No one will will fight for him like you will. Right, right, and that's what I've learned, you know, and because they don't know him like I do. They don't have that attachment to him. They don't have that love for him like I do. So, you know, again, him being with anybody else isn't an option because they don't know how to fight for him. They don't know who he is, period. They only have Mm -hmm. an idea. They don't know. Right. Um, I have... uh, a TED Talk that I'm going to put the link to when I post the replay to this. And I think you will, if you all three will listen to it, it'll blow you away because, excuse me, he was an autistic child. And he, like, just like you were talking, Shantae, you're the one that's fighting for him. And that was what his mother did. She fought for him, you know, in every aspect of the schooling and with doctors and all of that. And now he is standing up giving TED Talks. And it was just amazing mm. because he's talking about autism and, you know, he doesn't say anything about himself. He's just talking about autism in, ge- in general and how, you know, uh, an autistic child really needs that from their parent. 
and then he says, you know, he was that child. So I, I'll post that link in the replay uh, when I do this on Facebook, and you all can listen to him give his TED Talk. It's only about, I think, 15 or 16 minutes, but so powerful, so powerful, because it really shows, you know, what happens when you have that support and you have somebody that cares enough to hold your hand each step of the way and, and say, you know, this is my child. And, and like you were saying earlier, Shante, no, that's not going to happen. You had to stand up in front of the whole school board, you know, mm-hmm. and say, no, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. That doesn't work. And, and, you know, you know him better than anybody else does. So you were that one, that champion that stood up for him. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting what, um, what takes place you know, if somebody really gives a, ch- a child a chance to grow and to expand. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it'll, um, it'll shed some light onto the question that you asked earlier about, you know, what happens when they become adults. So I, I will post that link for you. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yeah, my um, wife I was the one ask... that taught me. Go ahead, Sonny. I said my wife was the one that taught me that sometimes you have to throw a chair. To get somebody's attention, yeah, <laughs> you have to stand. Yeah. You have to stand. <laughs> you got to stand on somebody's yes. desk. Do whatever you have to to get somebody's attention. This is. I am not going away. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. better off if you just do what I ask, and I'll get out of your face, and your life will get better. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> you know, I agree with you, Sunny, and your wife. Um, I had to learn that. I was very. Um, in the past, I was very much so um, a people pleaser and just didn't like to rock the boat. And this journey, (laughs) this journey has taught me sometimes you got to put on the gloves and hit who's ever in your way. Like, look, either we're going to do this, we could do this the hard way, or we could do this the easy way because I'm ready for either way. So let's do this. (laughs) I had a big breakfast, so I got all day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's definitely – you know, and the thing, you know, what's funny to me, though, is, like, I've always had a heart for the forgotten or the underdog, you know, that people consider the underdog. And it's no different, you know, than fighting for them than it is for my son right now and just doing what it is that needs to be done regardless, no matter who's in the way, you know. Um, it, it's been a journey, <laughs> you know, and it's not even over. He's only nine. So uh, yeah. we've still got quite a ways to go. Um, but it has definitely taught me, you know, like I said, a lot about compassion and just even a lot about myself, you know, throughout this whole process. I've done a lot of um, self-discovery through this living with um, autism. Well, the first lesson One. you learn is that you're, you don't live for yourself any longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're living, for the most part, for someone else. And... Right. You know, the best thing you can do is hope that you have a good partner there with you. Uh, my wife is amazing with Hunter and her patience with me as well. <laughs> Sometimes she feels like she lives with two children. <sighs> yes. No. I. You know. I being on this end, I'm very happy for for you and, and um, Barbara to have that support group and the other uh, partner there because it's definitely um, been a whole nother ball game having to go this alone. I'm certain, and you have my respect. 
Thank you. Well, we do have a few minutes left in the show. Um, we talked about having that support system there readily available, you know, somebody that is like you're constant in your life. Are any of you involved in any support groups or talking to other parents of autistic children? Do you, did you find any way, any outlet for something like that? I personally am not in any. Go ahead. Yeah, no, neither have I. And I'm sorry, I called you Barbara earlier. I'm sorry, Brandy. I don't know why that keeps wanting to come out, but no, I myself have not been any in any support groups. I've tried um, a few online through Facebook, um, but eventually just got out of those. Yeah, I've only met people in passing, uh, you know, clients, Mm -hmm. things like that, and. but, you know, not really anybody, not any support groups. I think it's difficult because the spectrum is so varied that even though you have a group of people, as uh, Shante was saying earlier, you have a group of people who have children with autism, they're completely on different different planets for the most part. So even though it's yeah. mm-hmm. of these people, you still can't really relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the one... Basic it- Yes, even for myself, there is one particular lady um, that I did meet up with who had a child um, on the spectrum, and we tried, and it just never, like, it just never meshed. Uh, We keep in contact here and there, um, but it was so varied in our degrees of autism and what we were particularly going through at that time um, that it just never came together. Yeah because your challenges okay. are, are far different from from what Hunter and I face and, and what Hunter faces, who is fairly different from what Mason faces. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if there's events, you can have the camaraderie in those events, but they're still just to that time frame. Um, I, you know, I have yet to find um, a network that, um, is kind of, you know, like I guess a feeling or sense of home um, or um, having things in common with. So. Okay, well, thank you. And in closing, I'd like uh, if anyone would like to give any words to parents who may be listening that have an autistic child, um, any words of encouragement or support or anything that you want to say to our listeners. Um, I definitely, for myself, um, you know, like Sunny and I have talked about, um, don't be afraid to pull out the big guns. Don't be afraid to go up to bat for your child regardless of whose toes you're going to step on, you know, or whose feelings are going to get hurt because ultimately you are your child's best advocate. And that's really all it comes down to. And, you know, like we were talking about with the school system, they're pretty much there at your disposal, even though they try and tell us different and otherwise. You know, so if you do have your child in public school, fight. You know, you have the energy, you have the focus, you have the time, fight, because that's the only way you're going to get what it is that you need. And they are there to do what it is you ask them to do by law, no matter what. My personal advice to other parents would be to make sure that 
even though our children with autism or other abilities definitely consume a large amount of time, but they are not, they, their identities are not ours. Like we still need to be aware that we are our own individual person and that we still deserve and we're still worthy of taking time for ourselves to do what it is that we like to do. Um, with mm-hmm. whatever that may be for me, it's, bicycling, going to the gym, um, going to see a movie with my daughter, going down the street to visit my grandparents, anything like that. And just for some, you know, even if it's whatever it is, find your passion and make time for yourself and be dedicated enough to know that you're, you know, that you're t- you can't kind of reminds me of whenever you go on a, um, on a plane and they always tell you put your mask on before you put anybody else's mask on and try to help them. That's absolutely true because if you're not, energized and um, taking the time for self-care, then there's no way that we can provide optimal care to our children. I agree with you 100% on that, Brandy. Uh, that was a hard lesson I had to learn as well. And even giving even giving the other children in the home um, the one-on-one time, I, I had to do that with my daughter too. She got to a point, Mom, you know, you're giving so much time to brother. And so I had to make that time to give her the one-on-one with her, you know, just us doing things and not having to be in that constant flux of how things are going to go down in a situation because the child, you know, might have a meltdown or a trigger. Yes. Uh, How about you, Sonny? My best advice is whatever you do, don't lose contact with your friends. Um, And be honest with them. They're going to invite you out to places that you can't go. And eventually they're going to get tired of that, and they're going to say, well, why do I keep inviting this person when, he can't, when they can't go anywhere? Keep inviting that person. For you, all of you non-autism parents, keep trying to be there for those friends. You can ask them 100 times, they may say yes once. And that one time they get to go out or spend time with you or get to do anything is worth a year of waiting. Yes. So never lose contact with your friends. Absolutely. Very wonderful words from all three of you. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight. And to our listeners, I certainly hope that you got as much out of this as I did. I appreciate you tuning in, those that were in the chat room, those that were on the phone lines, and those that listened over the network. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And Brandy and Shante and Sunny, I love you, all three of you. And thank you so much for sharing of yourself so openly and caringly. And I really have gotten a lot out of this discussion. It it means a lot. And like I said, in uh, August, I'll be doing a live event, and part of those proceeds will go uh, toward autism. I think there's still so much that we can learn and so much that can be done to help in this arena. So thank you all so much for being here. I love you. I send you all blessings of love and light. And we're going to end the show. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good, Good night. night. Thank you. It was lovely meeting both of you. Thank you. You too.